You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Hey guys, and welcome to Foothills Church Online. I am so thankful we get to gather together online today. As your pastor, I want you to know that I love you guys. I'm praying for you every day. And I know this is a challenging time. There's a lot of uncertainty in your heart today. And I believe God has given me a word to share with you today that I hope will encourage you and probably even challenge you just a little bit. I want you to know that we're gonna get through this. God is gonna end this virus. God is gonna heal our land. But I do think God is trying to tell you something. I don't know what it is for you. I'm trying to determine what it is for me. But God doesn't want us to go back to life as normal. I believe that this really is a wake-up call for us in so many ways. And so I pray today helps you hear from him. The title for today's message is Finding Courage in the Face of Trials. You know, when my kids were little, we used to play a game that they called the sleeping giant game. And what would happen is I would pretend like I was asleep uh, on the couch and they would come up to me when they were little and they would, they would poke me to wake me up. And when they would poke me, man, I would jump up and I would grab them and I would tickle them and do the steamroller and wrestle them around. And they absolutely loved it. And after we did that a couple of times, I'd jump up, tickle them, and then I would run and I would hide from them. And then they would have to come and find me in the house. And, and uh, when they would come find me, I would jump out and scare them half to death. And uh, you know, the funny thing uh, that always happened when I was hiding and they were coming to find me is that as they were slowly walking into the room, my oldest child, Bailey, uh, she would walk uh, first. And then as she would get closer into the room, she would turn to her little brother, Bryson, and she would go, Bryson, you go first. And then Bryson would turn around and look to his little sister, Brooke, and he would say, Brooke, you go first. And it was so hilarious because I would hear this unfold. And sure enough, Brooke, as a three, four-year-old, she would say, okay. And she would go first into the room and I would jump out and scare him. And man, for little kids at that time, it took a lot of courage to walk into that room for dad to scare him and give him that thrill. And, you know, for many of us, courage is something that we uh, are struggling with right now. We, we, We tend to think that courageous people are just people who aren't afraid of anything or, or they just have so much more faith that, you know, it's easy for them. We think courage is, is almost like a God-given talent or personality trait. And we think I'm just the, not a courageous person. It's just not my personality. I wasn't, I wasn't built like that. And, and you know, some people are naturally not afraid and some people are just naturally fearful of things. And I'm just not a courageous kind of person, you might think. Well, you might say that because you don't see courage as the Bible sees courage. In the Bible, courage and faith are basically the same thing. And so when we read scripture, we see that courage is considered a moral virtue to be pursued, just like kindness and patience and loving your neighbor and uh, becoming a servant. In the same way, we are to demonstrate courage. It's, it's really a moral virtue. So today, I want to show you how to have courage in the midst of of crisis, because I think there's a lot of people listening today who are allowing fear to control you instead of allowing your faith to build courage within you. 
If you have your Bibles, let's grab them. We're gonna look at Luke chapter 23. And, and uh, in the scripture, to kind of give you a little bit of context, in the beginning of chapter three, the religious leaders have arrested Jesus and they have done a mock trial and, and then they take him to Pilate for a trial. And, and, and Pilate sees Jesus, he hears their case and, and Pilate basically says, I find no fault in him. And he learns that Jesus is from Galilee. And so he, he, he figures out a legal loophole and, and he says, hey, look, Jesus falls under Herod's jurisdiction. And so Pilate tries to pawn the decision of what to do with Jesus off onto Herod. Now, why would he do that? Right away, we see that Pilate thought Jesus was innocent, but he didn't want to upset the religious leaders. So he sees an opportunity to get out of making a decision altogether. Essentially, Pilate doesn't have the courage to do what was right. He had the power to do what was right. He could have released Jesus right then and there, but he tries to get out of it and he uses this legal loophole. Let's look at what happens next. Jesus is now on his way and he is seeing Herod. And it says this, when Pilate heard this, he asked whether the man was a Galilean. And when he learned that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him over to Herod, who was himself in Jerusalem at the time. When Herod saw Jesus, he was very glad for he had long desired to see him because he had heard about him and he was hoping to see some sign done by him. Remember that. So he questioned him at some length, but he made no answer. The chief priests and the scribes stood by vehemently accusing him. And Herod with his soldiers treated him with contempt and mocked him. Then arraying him in splendid clothing, he sent him back to Pilate. Now, what I want us to see here is essentially what Pilate is doing. Pilate, you see, he didn't want to know Jesus. He simply wanted to see what, what he could get from Jesus. You know, Herod had no concern at all for Jesus at this point. He only wanted Jesus to do something spectacular for him. Herod wanted to see a sign, a miracle. Verse eight said that he was hoping to see a sign. You know, maybe some of you want Jesus when you've got a problem and you want it to go away. You just want Jesus to snap his fingers and take away the virus. Jesus, bring the economy back to normal. Get my kids back in school. It's interesting that Jesus said nothing to Herod at all. It's very interesting to me. Some of you are responding to Jesus right now, just like Herod did. Come do something spectacular and, 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 and you wait for a minute and you don't hear or see anything because Jesus is choosing not to respond. And just like Herod, you're asking, what can you do for me, Jesus? How about a miracle? I don't see anything. I don't feel anything. So ah, he's nothing to me. Get out of here, Jesus. Like Herod, Herod's treating Jesus like he's just some chump off the street. No miracle, no answer. Get out of here. And Herod sends Jesus back. Now, here's the question I want you to wrestle with today. Do you really want Jesus or do you just want your problems to go away? Do you really want Jesus today? Or do you just want your problems to go away? Because there's a big difference. Jesus is not some cosmic genie in a bottle just for you to make wishes. He's the image of the invisible God, ruling and reigning over all the world today. We must come to him as our savior, not as our 
servant? Do you really want Jesus or do you just want your problems to go away? Let's keep reading. Jump down to verse 13 here in Luke chapter 23. Now he sends Jesus to Pilate. Pilate then called the chief priests and the rulers and the people and said to them, you brought me this man as one who is misleading the people. And after examining him before you, behold, I did not find this man guilty of any of your charges against him. Neither did Herod, for he sent him back to us. Look, nothing deserving death has been done by him. I will therefore punish and release him. But they all cried out together, away with this man and release to us Barabbas, a man who had been thrown into prison for an insurrection, started in the city and for murder. Pilate addressed them once more, desiring to release Jesus, but they kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him. A third time he said to them, why? What evil has he done? I have found in him no guilt deserving death. I will therefore punish and release him. But they were urgent, demanding with loud cries that he should be crucified. And their voices prevailed. So Pilate decided that their demand should be granted. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder for whom they asked, but he delivered Jesus over to their will. If you're taking notes today, the next thing I want to encourage you to write down and think about is that Pilate lacked courage to do the right thing. He just lacked courage. He didn't want to convict Jesus because he thought Jesus was innocent. He didn't want to let Jesus go because he he didn't want the crowd to turn against him. He lacked courage and it led him to compromise his beliefs. He allowed an innocent man to die because he was unwilling to stand up for the truth. Listen, as we face this COVID-19 virus and the impact that that it's had on the world, there are some signs that you and I need to watch for in our life that could reveal, like Pilate, that we lack the courage to do what is right. So I wanna share with you today four signs that you have lost courage. And the first sign in your life you need to be aware of is if you are pawning off your responsibilities onto others. You lack courage today if you're pawning off those responsibilities and you want other people to make those decisions for you. When Pilate heard that Jesus was a Galilean, he realized that he was under Herod's jurisdiction. So he sent Jesus to Herod and he tried to avoid making a decision altogether. He didn't want the responsibility. So let me ask you, are you pawning off your responsibilities? Are you pawning off your decisions that you should be making um, and you're asking other people to make them or to do them for you because perhaps you've lost courage. As a father, you're supposed to be building that relationship with your kids and pouring into them, not just pawning that responsibility off on your spouse or other people in your family. What, what are you pawning off at work that you should be making the decision on? You should be doing, you should be sharing your faith. You should be talking about what God is doing in your life, that voice of hope at work, but you're just pawning that responsibility off on other believers, off on other, you know, preachers can do that. You know, people, elders can do that. That's not my responsibility. You don't want to make the hard decision. So you make someone else do it. That way you don't have to take the blame if it's wrong. And if it's right, 
You can take the credit because you let the other person decide. So you're trying to win on both fronts. But if that's you, you're lacking courage today. God wants you to, to, to grow that courage. Here's the second sign that you might be losing your courage. And it's simply this. You would rather satisfy the crowd than live for Jesus. You would rather satisfy the crowd than live for Jesus. Pilate thought he might satisfy the crowd if he just beat Jesus up and then released him. But that wasn't enough for the people. And Pilate caved to their demands. Are you living your life just to satisfy the crowd around you? Your buddies do it, so you do it. You don't care if it's the right thing or not. You just wanna satisfy the crowd. You just wanna go along with everybody else. See, it was their custom to release one prisoner during the Passover holiday. And Pilate had hoped that the people would pick Jesus, but they chose Barabbas, a known convicted murderer. And he let the crowd win. You see, if you're just allowing the, the, the crowd to dictate your decisions. You lack courage today. Stand for truth, what you know to be true, what you know to be right, and live and honor the Lord. Here's the third sign that you've lost courage. You blame others for your decisions. You see, Pilate tried to place the blame on the people, even though he was the one sentencing Jesus. He had the authority to release Jesus if he wanted to, but he chose not to. In the Gospel of Matthew, it tells us that Pilate took water and he washed his hands before the crowd. And he said, I'm innocent of this man's blood. And then even before his hands were dry, he handed Jesus over to be crucified. He was a coward. Instead of taking a stand against the people and doing the right thing, he was a coward and he chose to kill an innocent man. Listen, are you busy blaming others for your problems? It's your husband's fault, all things in your marriage aren't working out, or it's all your wife's fault, she won't change. It's your boss's fault, you aren't getting the job done. You know, when you blame others, you don't have to take responsibility. And I think it's important for us to realize that this is your life. Like your response to COVID-19 right now is your decision. And so you don't wanna blame other people for where you're at. You wanna take ownership and follow and trust the Lord and do the right thing right now. Here's the fourth sign that you've lost courage. Number four, you care more about your career than your church. In John chapter 19, verse 12, it tells us why the crowd finally won, I think. It, it says, if, if, if the crowd is saying to Pilate, if you let this man go, you're no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. And so this is what really clinched it, I think. Sure, Jesus was innocent, but if Pilate went against Caesar, his political career would be over. So in the end, Pilate compromised because he cared more about his career than God's church. Some of you care more about your career than God's church. Instead of courageously leading the church, you're neglecting your role. You, you, you've become a coward. You're, you're, you're not fulfilling God's purpose in your life, you're, you're, you're more concerned just about your career, building your priorities, building your little kingdom instead of pursuing the calling that God has placed on your life. So here's the question. Will you have the courage to do the right thing during the COVID-19 virus trial? Will you have the courage to do the right thing? I get it. There's a lot of fear going around. And fear is what cripples courage. 
And we all have fears. We all have certain fears that are attacking us right now during, during the crisis. And uh, a recent study found that the number one fear people have is the fear of death. I think it's natural to fear death because we weren't created for it. We weren't supposed to die. Death is not really a natural thing. We were created to live forever, but sin entered the world. And now death is a part of our experience. Um, this week, I'm actually doing a funeral uh, for one of our partners who tragically passed away. Her name is Christy Ballou and unrelated to the virus, but in the midst of this crisis, real life is still happening. And I ask you to pray for her husband, Chance, and her two children. You know, when you lose someone you love like this, you realize death, th- th- this is not the way it's supposed to be. Of course, there's gonna be fear in death. But you know, there are many fears that we're facing today. Right now, your fears might be about money. Your fears might be related to your job. Your fears might be related to your kids. Fears cripple our courage. And I think it's important for you to identify what those fears are today. Because here's the reality. Our fears surround our idols. Your fears really point to an idol that's in your life. Now, an idol is anything or object that you are looking to other than God to give you a sense of security. And you see, you find idols in your life by following what you're afraid of. Follow your fears and you'll find your idols. Several years ago, uh, my parents took our entire family to Disney World for a weekend. It was an incredible experience. We had so much fun. My kids were at the perfect age and I had never been. So, you know, it was magical for me. I absolutely loved it. And at the end of the week, you know, four kids in one little uh, hotel room, we had stuff scattered everywhere. Socks are scattered, underwear is hanging from the rafters, you know, and we're trying to bring it all in together and we're trying to, 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 to collaborate and get it all. And we pack up and we go home and uh, we get home that night and, and uh, my daughter, Brooke, uh, I think she was three at this time. She, she was like, mama, I, I want Blanky. Can you get Blanky for me? And um, Mike is like, okay, I'm looking for Blanky and can't find Blanky at all. And now what is Blanky, you might ask? Well, Blanky is what Brooke slept with every day of her life since she was born. It was her security blanket. When she didn't want to go to bed and she cried, there was Blanky to make her feel better. When she heard something outside at night and got scared, she had Blanky to comfort her. It was her security blanket blanket. Now, Micah looks for blankie, but can't find it anywhere. And we finally realized that we had left it in the hotel room. Now we called the hotel, frantically tried to get it, you know, mailed to us, but to no avail. Brooke was devastated. She cried for weeks. She couldn't sleep. She couldn't take naps. She couldn't function because her blankie was gone. Now, well, that was 10, 11 years ago. The other day, I was going to the grocery store to pick up some things and, uh, that we needed. And uh, Micah had, had told me, hey, get some milk. And she had said that like two or three times. And, and I finally said, I got you. I heard you. I'm going to get milk. I'm not going to forget. And then right then, Brooke looked at me. She's 15 years old, by the way. And she said, you forgot Blanky, didn't you, dad? Man, she can't get over it. Now, why does she remember that? Well, because her security was ripped from her and it left a lasting memory. Now, this is not the notorious blankie, but this is similar to the blankie that she used. You know, 
Each of us have created idols in our life. These are spiritual security blankets that are our comfort zone and we cling to them. They make us feel good. We're okay as long as we have our blankie, right? This blanket represents an idol. It's what we look to other than God to give us security. That blanket for you might be money. And as long as you have money, ooh, you feel good, right? You feel secure. That blanket for you might be a relationship. And as long as you have that relationship, man, you feel secure and and loved. That blanket might be achievement for you. And as long as you have that blanket, man, you feel successful, you feel secure. But what happens when that blanket is ripped away from you? Fear sets in. That's why fear can help you identify the idols in your life. Have you ever had a security blanket ripped away from you? Maybe this entire crisis that we're experiencing has in fact ripped away some of your security blankets. You see, if your security is in money, then you're probably afraid right now. If money is your idol, you're afraid. Fear is within you because it's, 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 it's it, that fear that surrounds the loss of money. And am I going to be okay? And so this virus is revealing that perhaps your idol is money. If your idol is success, then you're afraid right now because you're not able to work like normal. And am I, am I going to be able to go back to work? Am I going to be successful? Am I, I going to reach my goals? And so you're filled with fear today. Why? Your idol is success. If your idol is your kid's achievement, then you're afraid today because they're out of school and how are they gonna learn? Are they gonna get good grades? Are we gonna make this online stuff you know, work well? Some of us are afraid because our idol is our kid's achievement. You see, if your idol is in your appearance, then your looks make you feel secure. What happens when you don't think you look good anymore? Some of you can't get your hair done right now. You're freaking out. Why? Because your idol is your appearance. You see, when you're afraid, you're revealing that you think that God is smaller than whatever your security is in. God, you're smaller than money because money can help me now. And God, you're too small to be able to help me. God, you can't help me at this point. You see, fear really does set in right now. And I know we're all kind of experiencing, it's natural to, to, to be exposed right now. And it's, it's natural for us to have some of this. And so, so what we wanna do is we wanna understand why that fear is there. Identify those idols. So, so the scripture would say, smash those idols when you recognize them and just say, God, I'm, I'm smashing my idol of money. I am not going to serve money. I am not going to fear. I know you're going to provide. I know you're going to, you're going to give me everything that I need in this season. A couple other ways that help, you know, fear really takes place when you stop thinking about who God is. When you think about God and and who he is, our fear begins to dissipate and our hope and our strength returns because we remember who is holding the universe in his hands. Fear also takes hold of you when you forget what God has already done. Um, sometimes we forget what he has done in us and what he's already done through us. So if you're afraid of something today, it's, it's really kind of evidence that you've forgotten what God has already done for you. I love what Romans 8, 32 says. It says, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? 
In other words, God has given us the ultimate gift, his son, Jesus. The most gracious act in the history of the world, God didn't spare his life. Therefore, how much more should we trust that God is gonna give us everything else that we need, even in the midst of trial? Well, let me give you some practical help today. How can you have courage right now during this trial? That's the question. Give it to me, Trent. Like, what can we do right now to get some courage in this season of, of, of adversity and crisis? If you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, give yourself fully to the work of God. Not half-heartedly, not, not kind of lukewarm, but give yourself fully to the work of God. I love what 1 Corinthians 15 says. In verse 57, it says that we have victory through Jesus. And so in verse 58, therefore, because we have victory in Jesus, he says, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord in good times and in bad times, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So listen, standing firm is followed by not moving away from giving yourself fully to the work of the Lord. So I take that to mean that there's a connection between standing firm in your faith and always giving yourself fully to the work of the Lord. If you move away from the work of the Lord, it's gonna be easier to lose your footing, to be moved by the lies of the enemy, so he says, keep working, keep serving the Lord. Now, ways to work right now. How can you do this? Well, you can be somebody who's generous with your words. So encourage others at work. Use your social media platform to encourage and to bless other people. Share hope on those platforms. Be generous with your resources right now. Like some of you have been impacted financially because of the virus. Some of you have not. So I wanna encourage, especially those who have not been impacted and maybe you haven't been giving, right now, we need you more than ever. Right now, the church needs you more than ever. The people that Foothills Church supports and, 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 and the ways in which that we are, we are funding so many organizations and churches. Like, like if, 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 if we're affected to the point to where we can't give, then it affects thousands of people. And so we need you more than ever to be generous with your resources right now. You can make care calls. Go to our website. Click on Let's Go Now. You're gonna find ways to feed uh, kids who need uh, meals during the week. You're gonna uh, learn about care calls where you can call and check on people and pray with people. You can get your family into the word of God. Uh, these are all ways that you can begin to work and give yourself fully to the Lord. Hey, study the word of God and, 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 and just have a consistent prayer time. That is being consistently fully devoted and working for the Lord. I love how it says that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Sometimes it feels like our labor, our ministry, our work for the Lord goes unnoticed or it's in vain. It feels like nobody appreciates our work. No one's, you know, no, no one's being helped by your work. It, like, like it's not doing any good. And God says, your labor is not in vain. Even when you don't see the results or don't feel appreciated, God says your labor is not in vain. So stand firm. Don't let this virus move your faith away from the Lord. Let it strengthen your faith. Here's the second thing that I would encourage you to do today. And that is to trust that God is working in the waiting. He's working while we wait, 
why we are stuck at home. God is at work. He hasn't lost control. He's not taking a break. He's not on vacation. Trust that God is working. He's working in me. He's working in you. He wants to teach you something. He wants you to experience something. He's going to use this for your good. He's gonna use this for his glory all over the world. It's on us to trust and to wait. I love how Psalm 27 states it. Verse 14 says, wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. I love this. He says, be strong, take heart, wait for the Lord. Why? Because he is working while we wait. We trust in that work. And here's the final thing I would encourage you to do today. Number three, surrender your life to Jesus. You see, some of you just simply haven't done that. You've never surrendered your life to Jesus. Sure, you, you're okay with Jesus. He's a good guy. You know, you, you're, you're okay with people that go to church and all, but for you, you've never really surrendered your life to Jesus. You see, this series, um, we're trying to teach that you and I were, were actually there that day. The day that Jesus was arrest, arrested and beaten and crucified, he was murdered on the cross. You see, you were there, I was there. No, not physically, but we were there because we've had all of these feelings that Herod and Pilate had. We've let fears creep into our life. We find our security in other things outside of Jesus. You see, it was my sin, it was your sin that took Jesus to the cross. But Jesus willingly died. He wanted to die for you. You say, why did he have to die? Because sin is a serious matter and God cannot allow sin into heaven. And for you and I to be forgiven, somebody had to pay for your sin. The reality is you're gonna pay for your sin or you're gonna allow Jesus to pay for your sin. You'll pay for it or, you'll, or you'll give your life to Jesus and accept his death as the payment that God required to offer you forgiveness. Here's the statement that I want you to think about today. It's the statement that we keep saying throughout this series, but before you can see the cross as something done for you, you have to see it as something done by you until you realize that it was your sin that caused Jesus to suffer and die on the cross. You'll never understand the meaning of life. You'll never understand the meaning of Easter. You'll never understand true happiness and true peace. But the great news is Romans 10, 13 says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That means wherever you are today, all over the world, you're tuning in. I wanna encourage you, if you've never given your life to Jesus, you've never surrendered your life to him, you've never received his forgiveness, you've never applied that to your life and lived your life for him, I wanna encourage you today, right now, wherever you are, to simply pray this prayer and give your life to Jesus. No matter where you're at, would you bow your heads, pretend like it's just you and God, and say this to the Lord. Just say, God, I confess that I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus was the son of God. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins. And I am asking him to forgive me of my sins, come into my life and save me today. And I am, I'm gonna live my life for Jesus for the rest of my life. God, I surrender all to you. I believe if you meant that prayer, 
you prayed that prayer that even right now, God has saved you. And no matter where you're at, no matter how you're watching, if you're watching online, there should be a button right underneath the screen that says, I accepted Christ. Click here to raise your hand. I want you to click that button, fill out that form so that we know who you are, so that we can pray for you. If you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, there's a slide coming up now that says foothillschurch.com slash decision. Click on that. Let us know who you are. We want to pray for you. We want to be able to resource you in any way that we possibly can. Jesus is going to bring us through this adversity. Jesus is going to heal our land. But let's not miss the truth and the, and the value and the importance of what he is trying to teach us and show us right here, right now. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, as we look at, uh, as we look at Pilate and Herod, God, sometimes we think it's their fault, but today we recognize that it is our sin. We've done the same thing. And God, we, we repent of sin. We are, we are sorry for how we have offended you and hurt you, God. We wanna live our life for you. And every person watching today, God, I pray that you would bless them. I pray, God, that you would, you would teach them and grow them, give them courage today. God, give them strength today, trusting in you, not trusting in security blankets, not trusting in idols, but trusting in you. And we pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.